Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with my co-host, Leanne Whippen. You're still new in this job, so, you know, we'll... Very new. Very new, yeah. Uh, and we've got the usual suspects hanging around the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios here in Portland. We are now part of the USA Radio Networks, and we're very happy with that. I'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. You can check it out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. Well, if you read anything that pertains to barbecue, and especially if you live in the Texas area it's actually texas is a country we just don't acknowledge it up that way but uh, i'm sure you've read his uh, material daniel vaughn who's an author but he's also the barbecue editor at texas monthly daniel graces us with his uh, presence on the show again how are you my friend i'm doing great good uh, except a little chilly you guys think and leanne's the same way when it drops below 50 degrees the parka comes out and the you well, know yeah uh, you know, all of that. Um, she told me yesterday on a, on a call that, you know, there was a, like you said earlier, there's a cold front. I said, really? How cold is it? She goes, Oh, it's, it's below 50. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's 42 degrees right now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It, it was uh, 75 degrees um, this time yesterday. So uh, that's really the problem around here. It's not so much that, uh, you know, it, I don't mind the cold. It's just not knowing from day to day what you got. Right. We get that every day, 365 days a year up where I live. You have no idea what you're going to face. You, you know, you can walk out and the sun can be shining and you would think you're at 5,000 feet because it's three degrees outside. And then the next day it'll be 65 here. So, you know, that type of deal. Okay. Uh, for our listeners who don't know, and I couldn't figure out who that might be, but uh, you've been doing uh, the barbecue uh, reviews and stuff for Texas Monthly for quite a while right now. Um, so I had one question. What do you define as real barbecue, Daniel? As real barbecue. Yeah. Um, well, I, I will say that uh, I'm closing in on nine years on this job. And uh, the longer I go, the, the wider my definition gets, the sort of more generous I am with what I accept as barbecue or what I consider barbecue, um, especially given how many other traditions are out there other than just, uh, you know, Southern barbecue cooking over an offset uh, or cooking directly over coals. Um, I mean, to me, it's, it's about the fact that you've got some active fire going and that you have a piece of meat that, uh, is transformed, uh, because of that fire. So I, I know that that's, uh, 
maybe a lot wider than some people who are a little more dogmatic about barbecue or uh, <laughs> those in the Carolinas who I call hogmatic. But uh, yeah, I'm certainly not one of those that's going to say it's got to be beef or it's got to be pork or it's got to be on an offset or it's got to be low and slow. Uh, um, you know, some of the most famous places we have here in Texas, like at Kreitz Market, uh, they have the offset, sure, but they're cooking at 500 degrees and they get those briskets done in about five hours. So um you know, we, uh, we've got a lot of different traditions in Texas. We've got a lot of tr different traditions in the U.S. And, and worldwide, of course, when it comes to barbecue. So um, I'm much more interested in, in the product over the process. And, uh, you know, as long as it tastes good. You ever have any of your readers write in and say, Daniel, that can't possibly be real barbecue? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, all the time. I mean, that's... Uh, um, you know, especially with the, the more modern barbecue movement uh, and all of these uh, people like to call them craft barbecue places. I don't really use that term much, but um, yeah, there are a lot of people who are uncomfortable with that way of serving barbecue and uh, the sort of attention to detail to getting really high quality meats and things like that. And um, just yesterday uh, I was at a, a restaurant, J Bar M Barbecue down in Houston, and, and they use, you know, all prime beef, all natural and they're uh, putting out, I think, eight or nine different side items and four different desserts. Like it is a, a beautiful new restaurant. And there was a, a gentleman outside. He didn't have any idea what I did for work, but we were talking about barbecue. And he said he was <clears throat> talking about his love for the old days of just simpler barbecue and uh, the more traditional stuff. And uh, I sort of jokingly said to him, well, I very jokingly said to him, but he didn't get the joke. <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, I'm all about the really traditional. I mean, give me, I want to, I want a grass fed brisket with, with uh, no fat on it. that has been unrefrigerated for about three days in the Texas heat and, uh, you know, slap that puppy uh, over a hot fire. And I mean, that's, that's the real traditional stuff. Uh, that's what they were eating way back in the, uh, you know, the turn of the 20th century. And he's like, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, <laughs> good old stuff. I was like, you didn't hear a word I said, did you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because that's the thing is like, what is, what is traditional, right? Traditional is usually whatever you ate growing up as a kid. So traditional to a 90 year old, it's going to be different than a 50 year old to a 20 year old. So, um, yeah, I, I get told quite often that this isn't barbecue or that's not real barbecue. Um, uh, you know, whether it's uh, stuff with uh, more of like a Thai or Korean influence or, um, uh, you know, stuff with a, a Japanese influence, uh, Tex-Mex influence. We got all these different influences in Texas and, and uh, you know, people get upset sometimes about uh, how many different options we have for barbecue here. But uh, one of the things that, that I, so one of the things I, <laughs> yeah, but one of the things that I repeat over and over is that if, if we listen to everybody's rules about what isn't barbecue, then we wouldn't be left with any barbecue. Right. You think they have this image of a, a big old spit with a half a beef on it and somebody's, you know, hand cranking it over yeah. a bunch of embers, <laughs> kind of like an old cowboy movie, you know, and somebody's there with some sort of mop and they're slathering whatever their secret sauce is on it. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're bringing up images, bringing back images of uh, videos I've seen of Walter Jaton, uh, who cooked for LBJ um, on the LBJ ranch uh, here in Texas. And um, 
the reason that it's so humorous is because he did have those whole sides of beef and he would have those whole sides of beef on a spit uh, cooking over the fire to where all the, all the people who were coming to eat would get off of their, uh, of the bus or, or whatever brought them to the ranch. And they would file past this, this big fire and this, this uh, half a side of beef that's, uh, you know, going over the fire. And the thing is, none of them were ever going to eat that because it had just been put over the fire just hours before it was right. never going to be done for any of them to eat. Uh, the beef that they were actually going to eat had spent much of its time in giant bats of broth um, cooking slowly and then was finished over the fire. And that's how he got those you know, giant steamships tender and, and giant shoulder clocks. You, right. you, you boil them a little bit early on and then you finish them over the fire. And but if you showed somebody that video who's like a real barbecue traditionalist, they would be like, "That's the real stuff right there. That's, that's the way barbecue <laughs> you know, it, used to be." You know, it is. It's the real stuff. But we're also at the mercy of the health department and what's permitted these days in restaurants. We would love to do that in a restaurant. I think Texas is more of a free country state uh, and allows that type of cooking. Where you go to California and you are you're lucky if you can get a smoker in a restaurant um, and. You know, so we're at the mercy of, you know, today's rules and regulations, which is unfortunate because, I mean, I would love to have a restaurant with a spit in it like that, but yeah. it's not going <laughs> to If you get If you get that done, Leanne, I'll come down and turn the hand crank for you okay. for, for about for about five minutes. But, okay. you know, I, I can do that. Yeah, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, is the image that a lot of people have. And this guy that was talking to, you, you know, um, the uh, I made a joke once I was doing a show in Oklahoma and they had at lunch break, they had this catering service come in every day and, and feed us lunch. And the, uh, the food was pretty much the same every day. And the condiments were exactly the same every day because they sat there all day and somebody, and somebody made a comment to me and I was in the front of the line. I said, Oh no, they have a three day rule in Oklahoma as far as mayonnaise, you know? And so everybody got a chuckle out of that. The catering lady did not find that funny at all, but uh, everybody else did because it had that nice kind of yellow crust on the top of it. Oh yes. The Mayo patina. (laughs) Yeah. And, And so, you know, I'm, I'm down with, anybody's definition of traditional barbecue unless it shows up in a uh, a pre-made package where you peel it back and put it in the oven and heat it and it just comes out and there's you know a half a gallon of sauce and four ounces of meat whatever the meat is that's that's not my idea of barbecue but anything else i'll i'll give it a shot so i you know thinking back we had lunch together with Dr. Barbecue, I don't know, about five, six months ago. And I was a little surprised um, at the food that we had in that it seems like some of the restaurants are taking the trends and moving it into old traditional. For example, the ribs that we had uh, tended to have a little bit of a sweet sauce, I might say, when I expect, you know, not that in Texas. Do you see that other restaurants are following suit or was that just a one-off that? Uh, yeah, we ate at Terry Black's in Dallas and they do use a a sweet glaze on there. And that is becoming a lot more prevalent in Texas. Um, it used to be where, um, the only time you'd really get a sweet rib is if you, um, if a place serves spare ribs and baby backs, they would, 
make the baby back sweet and the spare ribs were savory. Uh, but much more often you're going to find a sweet glaze of some sort on the spare ribs or St. Louis ribs. Um, so that is something that is becoming more prevalent in Texas over just the last several years. There you go. We're going to take a break here on Barbecue Nation. Leanne and I will be back with Daniel Vaughn, the barbecue editor from Texas Monthly, as well as an author, uh, book author. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with uh, the boss around here, Leanne Whippen. Um, if you'd like to email us, it's pretty simple. Just go to uh, barbecuenationjt.com. There's, uh, you know, scroll down the page a little bit. There's a contact thing right in the middle of the page, and you can send us an email. And, of course, we're on uh, Facebook and Twitter and 9,000 other platforms out there that we can't keep up with. But uh, we're there. So, Daniel. I want to talk a little bit about your top 50 list. I mean, I know you put, I've read it many times and I know you put a lot of work and a lot of uh, palate exercise into it. But uh, first of all, I, like we said in the first segment, some people got to give you a little grief over that. And I'm sure after you publish the list, you kind of sit back and say, okay, here they come. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's part of the fun. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I put together a top 50 list, the 50 best barbecue joints in Texas. And, you know, I know we know as a team at Texas Monthly that we're judging these barbecue joints on, uh, you know, on a few visits in a short period of time. And, you know, we, we know that we're not going to be 100 percent right. How can you be 100 percent right, in a, right. In, in a ranking list like this? But we are, um, you know, we put the work in, we put the effort in and, and we're 100 percent confident in the uh in the amount of of attention that we put into the whole process uh, but if we came away with it and everybody agreed with us how boring would that be? it would be boring <clears throat> and let me this when you go into these restaurants do you notify them that you're coming no, no. good like uh, you know i went to <laughs> I, I you know i was i'm not just trying to plug j bar m barbecue this new place down in houston but i, I went there and uh, I'm good friends with some people who work there. And so I told them I was going to come in on Wednesday and, uh, you know, and, and I was going to have a big old meal and, and really try the whole menu. And uh, so on Tuesday, I came in and uh, I love that. Yeah, I, I came in on Tuesday and they were all sort of like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and I went back on Wednesday as well. Uh, but I wanted to come in both days on a, on a, a I wanted to tell them that I was coming a certain day and then just surprise them the day before and, and, uh, you know, to see if there was any difference in the barbecue and there wasn't, uh, the barbecue was really exactly the same from, from one day to the next. So what's your, a what's good your, for them. what's your food expense account look like when you, when you do this? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the great things about Texas monthly is that, you know, um, for the top 50 list, certainly there's a lot of expense that goes into all these team members in both the mileage and in the food. But, um, you know, we only do that list every four years. And so 
in between all that, I'm still traveling all over the place, still eating a bunch of barbecue. And, uh, you know, I do have rather large expense reports and, (laughs) and, and, and they keep paying them all. Uh, but you know, barbecue is getting more expensive these days. I think eating out in any restaurant is getting more expensive these days. And, uh, it's getting more expensive to sample a menu of barbecue joints these days because there's so much variety that a lot of these places are offering. I mean, I, uh, you know, it's not it's not uh, brisket, rib, sausage, uh, beans, potato salad, and coleslaw. Um, what what are the parameters? I don't think I asked you this the last time you were on the show, but when you're making the list and you and the crew are out there sampling, what parameters are you looking for? I, you know, it sounds basic, but it just comes all down to the, to the food, to the barbecue. You know, the, right. Uh, you know, we take sides and desserts, we take all that stuff into account. Uh, but it's more like if we're really talking about tiebreakers at that point, if, if all the meats are, are equal, yeah. but you know, the brisket is certainly incredibly important. You know, it, it still does come down to brisket ribs and sausage. Now we, we're going to sample the turkey and the, and the chicken and the pork steak and the pulled pork or, uh, whatever else they might have on the menu. But, um, you know, the, the brisket ribs and sausage, which, uh, I mean, here we, we call it the Texas Trinity. I mean, those are the three things that you're going to find at 98% of barbecue joints uh, around the state. And so that, that's really where it begins. Do you um, have like a score sheet that you all fill out? We do out? have a score sheet. Yeah, we have a score sheet, but the score sheet is uh, more, it provides guidance. Um, it's not like, if somebody scores you a, a 4.5, then you're always going to beat the 4.2 place. Um, some people score a little more generously, some a little less generously. So I've got to use my own uh, experience at the places that uh, overlap, the places I've been to and they've been to, and uh, and really get a gauge on what that score means. So it sounds and, like you score them more independently than comparatively. Yes. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean... <laughs> You know, we, we certainly score them. Uh, I mean, each person who's going out there is scoring all of their places comparatively amongst the places that they've gone, mm-hmm. but it, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to do that to a hundred percent accuracy between your experiences and then somebody else's experiences in a different part of the state. How do you deal with toss ups? If, if, if Daniel goes over here and you've got a list of, well, I, I, the- I, I mean, I simply go back. You know, okay. if, if, we, if we've got an area that's got uh, a number of places that have very similar scores, I'll, I'll go back and, and re-canvas that area uh, and, and really just go head to head to head of, of the places that are really close and see which ones are more impressive. I have this visual in my brain, and I'm probably wrong, <clears throat> but the, the backseat of your car, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> full of takeout you know, for leftovers full of takeout containers when you come home. Am I close? Yeah. Uh, I usually travel with my Yeti cooler back in the, in the uh, <laughs> uh, back in the trunk and, you know, all the, all the stuff that is worthy of saving. I certainly try to. Um, and then, uh, yeah, got a lot of to go containers. Now there are certainly plenty of gas stations along the way that, that, and get their trash cans filled up uh, with barbecue. That's not so great or <laughs> that I don't want to bring home. Uh, but yeah, there's certainly always barbecue in my fridge and always leftover barbecue chopped up in vacuum sealed bags in my freezer. 
uh, just waiting for that next pot of chili or next pot of beans. There you go. There it you seems go. like there's been a huge influx of new restaurants from what I'm reading in Texas. Do you find that? And is there more new than, or is it equal to what's closing? Um, like what's going yeah. on? There's a lot of new barbecue places, lots of new places, many places. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but certainly a, a great percentage of the places in our 2021 list were not open uh, for our 2017 list. We're going to take another break here on Barbecue Nation on USA Radio Networks and be back with Daniel Vaughn and my new deputy sheriff, Leanne Whippen, right after this. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the USA Radio Networks. Uh, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef, you can be proud to serve your family and friends, beef like grandpa used to raise. If you had a grandpa that raised cattle, um, check them out online at paintedhillsnaturalbeef.com and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives. Great quality and great efficiency, great balance. That's what I was looking for. And that's Gunter Wilhelm Knives. We've got Daniel Vaughn with us, the uh, barbecue editor. We're going to get attacked by my cat here in a minute. Uh, barbecue editor from Texas Monthly. Daniel. You know, there's a there's a big deal and we've seen it expand, I would say, exponentially over the past few years of side dishes, you know, uh, mac and cheese. Maybe not in Texas, but in most of other places around the country, the last five or eight years ago, you didn't hear about it that much. And now it's a, a must have. Um you know, maybe same and depending on your area with poppers or or you always had the, you know, the coleslaw and potato salad, that stuff, because those were cold, but actually sides that have been cooked. Um, how big a deal is that? It's a really big deal. Uh, mac and cheese is uh, we've certainly seen the same thing here in Texas, as you're talking about around the rest of the country, where it's become almost uh, an expectation that you have mac and cheese where uh, 10 years ago it was it was really hard to find uh, a whole lot of places that did mac and cheese. Um, and, you know, in, in the latest top 50 issue, we wrote a whole article about corn. <laughs> about corn on the cob, corn elotes, cream corn, corn pudding. Uh, heck, even uh, Loro does uh, popcorn that's mixed with barbecue spices and uh, flash fried um, chopped brisket. So uh, corn in all of its forms has sort of overtaken the menus in, in Texas as well. Uh, but, you know, it's not hard to find things like fresh green beans and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower and yeah. uh, all these things that, uh, you know, would you certainly wouldn't have found at all uh, around Texas, say, five or 10 years ago. You know, one thing that I haven't I haven't had and I'm sure some creative person in Texas has come up with it, but um, like mud bug or crawdad if you will crayfish whatever whatever part of the country you live in mac and cheese to me that that's 
I haven't made it myself and we have them up here, but I just think that might be really interesting to mess around with. Yeah. There's a food truck uh, in Royce city, just east of Dallas and called Smoketown barbecue. And they did a collaboration uh, where they had a crawfish trailer come and park in the same lot. So you get your crawfish, you get your barbecue. Uh, but the crawfish trailer was also giving them crawfish tails to mix into their mac and cheese. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah. I, I, well, Leanne and I might be down there in a couple of months, so we might have to go <laughs> over there and find out what, what that's yeah. all about. When, when a restaurant, when a, a joint, I mean, we're talking barbecue, so I'm going to use the real term barbecue joint, make sure list um, regardless of their their placing if you will on your list daniel how does that affect them have you seen it where if you come out and say um such and such a place is number one or uh number three whatever uh are they those top 10 in your list are they pretty thankful for that or do they ever give you grief on it and does it affect the public coming in uh the grief that we usually get are people who are fans of those places that maybe weren't overrun beforehand got it uh, and so a place like interstellar barbecue in cedar park uh, northwest of austin it was a place that was certainly popular but it was not uh, overwhelmingly popular and once the list came out they were number two on the list and the the line certainly grew and there's really nowhere for the line to go out from the door <laughs> so they kind of went out to the parking lot and, uh, I think they've got that all fixed up now, but um, yeah. And like burnt bean and Seguin was number four on our list. And, and they, uh, you know, they, they had, they really just have a line inside. Once it gets out the door, you're out on the public sidewalk uh, and just goes down the sidewalk down in downtown Seguin and it gets pretty hot out there too. So uh, they had some, they had some issues dealing with all that. Uh Truth Barbecue, uh, which I just visited when I was in Houston, they're number three on our list. Uh, they didn't really have any trouble handling it. They've already been incredibly popular. They've been on our list before, uh, been highly praised. And so they were certainly ready for the big influx of, of new customers. Uh, Goldie's Barbecue, however, their number one spot, they... <clears throat> Uh, that's a place that I ruined for myself. I mean, I live in Dallas, so Fort Worth's just right down the way. And uh, I, I used to love going to Goldie's and we'd show up five minutes before opening and be like second or third person in line. And, uh, you know, nowadays you, uh, well, you can't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> on, on the first day um, after they were open, after the list came out, they, uh, they pleaded with everyone at 10 a.m. They opened at 11. And at 10 a.m., they were pleading with everyone, like, don't come. Please turn around. Go home. We are out. We're sold out. Like, we already went down the line. We asked people what they're going to order. And we won't have barbecue for you. So please don't. Uh, they went from uh, using three cords of wood in a month to three cords of wood in a week. Wow. Uh, to, to cook all the barbecue uh, that they were serving. So Good problem to have. Yeah. So it, it certainly has uh, certainly has an effect. And I think as well, it just ha it has an effect on all barbecue joints when the list comes out, whether they make the list or not. It's this, it, it does create this sort of barbecue fever. People are just talking about barbecue, makes people hungry for barbecue. And so I heard from plenty of places, whether they were honorable mentions on the list, um, you know, not in our top 50, that their business increased as well. Now, it probably isn't going to be, uh, you know, a sustainable bump much uh, like a lot of the top 50 places, but yeah, 
And then we've got a, a passport as well where people go around and um, they go around and get a stamp uh, in each one of the top 50. Sure. And if you uh, follow the BBQ confessional uh, Instagram page, you can read the story of, uh, of the guy who did it first. He, uh, completed, sure. all, he completed all 50 of them. Uh, I mean, he was, driving, <laughs> he was driving all over the state. He said that uh, he had he ran into another guy who was almost done with the list. And he was in El Paso or near El Paso at the time. And uh, he this guy told him he was going to go to Snow's Barbecue in Lexington as his last visit the following Saturday, which was uh, they were talking on Friday. And he said so he decided that he was going to get up in El Paso and drive the <laughs> nine hours to Lexington so he could be there the Saturday prior and make that his last stop and so that he would complete the list of the top 51st. Um, so that's some real dedication to uh, barbecue road tripping right there. Yeah, I was going to say that's dedicated. Yeah, I was going to say, because you have so many new restaurants, don't you think you should do it maybe every two years instead of every four years? Well, um, because we have so many new restaurants, we do a, a top 25 best new barbecue joint list oh. uh, in the intervening two years. So in 2023, I'll, uh, next year. So next mm -hmm. year, I'll have that list out of the 25 best new barbecue joints so that those places that are doing a really great job can get some recognition now instead of having to wait four years. You talked about, um, uh, you mentioned it really briefly in the, uh, the first thing, the generational barbecue, uh, like Mueller's down there, kind of fractioned and are fractured off different parts of the family and stuff from what I understand. Normally, do they get better? Do they stay the same? Do they get worse? What's your you've you've been doing this stuff for a long time now. So what are your thoughts and what have you seen on that? Well, I mean, it really runs the gamut, right? Um, I mean, some of them, you know, are able to keep that consistency. And, you know, some of them, maybe they're maybe they're coming in, running the place begrudging because there's nobody else to do it. Uh, and so, I mean, that's the sort of catch 22 about these multi-generational places is that a lot of the, a lot of the people who are running these places, they don't want their kids to have to do this. You know, it's hard work um, and barbecue is really popular, but a barbecue joint is not a really great way to make a lot of money. Uh, and so a lot of these pitmasters, like their goal is to make enough money to send their kids through college so they don't have to, you know, work in the smoke and the heat and, uh, and, you know, try and make money off of $5 a pound brisket. Right. Uh, but, you know, then the, the, the exact opposite happens too, where you have somebody who grew up in a place and like, they couldn't think about doing anything other than barbecue. So, you know, it really does vary from place to place. It's, uh, uh, just because a place has been around for three generations doesn't guarantee that it's going to be good just in the same way that a place that is, uh, three months old, um, could quite possibly be great. Right. Um, we were talking about sides and, and, you know, they've grown in popularity and it, it's a half to deal. Now, have you run into any sides, no names, any sides that you just went, man, that's just awful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I had a corn cream corn, um, uh, in the Houston area and it was topped with 
some sort of cheese mixture and the cheese had gotten hard and was, I think, crunchy at one time, but then all the cream seeped into it. So it just, then it just became chewy. So you had like a over salted, too much cream in the corn with chewy cheese on top. That didn't even sound fun. No, no, it wasn't <laughs> fun. Uh, and one of my favorite sides for any barbecue joint that has a fryer is onion rings. I love onion rings. Yeah. Uh, but man, I sure run into a lot of really bad frozen onion rings. Uh, but anytime you get the fresh, fresh battered onion rings, uh, man, that's, that's a way to make my day. Okay, love it. We're going to be back with Daniel Vaughn and my, my good co-pilot co-host and good friend, Leanne Whippen right after this. Don't go away. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the USA Radio Networks. I'm JT, along with Leanne Whippen. We're talking with Daniel Vaughn today. Uh, Daniel is the barbecue editor at Texas Monthly. And after you listen to this show, you'll probably wish you had his job, or at least his expense account for food. One of the two. I'm not sure. We've had, of course, we've all been affected one way or another by COVID the last couple of years, Daniel. Last time you were on the show, we were kind of just getting into the COVID craziness here we've seen a lot of restaurants close because of that especially up in our area and it doesn't matter they can be they can be barbecue they can be steakhouses they can be asian food whatever it is they just couldn't survive did did that happen in texas to i mean you guys stayed pretty much open most of the time comparative to other states but did that have an effect on barbecue restaurants in texas yeah, I mean, well, certainly it had a, a, a wide effect on restaurants in general. Uh, I would say that as far as barbecue goes, um, you know, we were actually pretty lucky. There were certainly some places that did close because of COVID-related reasons or uh, COVID offered them a good opportunity, a good timing to close. Um, but by and large, uh, barbecue really did survive through pretty well. Uh a lot of places changed their model from uh, one where, you know, places that were really famous for long lines uh, got different systems to be able to, to do things to go and take out, um, you know, being able to do a lot of pre-orders. Uh, sh- uh, certainly places like Goldbelly uh, were big beneficiaries because places that might have been reluctant to sell on their platform uh, now flooded to them so they could sell their whole briskets. So I think in general, uh, barbecue certainly fared better than other types of restaurants in Texas. Uh, but I, I would say the bigger challenge that they're facing is right now it's, it's, uh, than what they faced in 2020. Mm-hmm. And it is the, the rising cost of beef. Um, you know, it's the rising cost of everything, but most everything else, everybody else has to suffer right along with, right? But the, uh, the high expense of brisket is just unprecedented. Uh, we've... N- you know, there have been spikes in brisket prices every year uh, for as long as I've been tracking. But sure. ne- never have we had a situation where 
the price has gone up and just stayed there for months, months after months and months at a time. I mean, the last time the average price of brisket, the average price of a choice brisket on the wholesale market, the last time it was uh, under $3 a pound was back in April and uh, or back last April. And I mean, that's, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about a cut that, you know, a f- few years ago, uh, you'd be feeling pain if you were paying over $2 a pound. for it. Right. So, yeah. It's, and, and consumers, uh, they just don't care uh, by and large, you know, they, they see a price for uh, brisket per pound on a menu and they just like, how, how could you possibly be charging $30 a pound for brisket? And I'm sure the pitmaster feels the same way. How could they, they could never imagine that they would be in a situation where they had to charge that much, but given the price, uh, the price spikes and the consistent uh, length of that price spike, I guess it's not a spike anymore. Uh, you know, they've had no choice, but to raise right. their prices. I was looking on uh, at Super Bowl last weekend, a friend of mine who is no longer in the restaurant business, but was for years. He was here and he was telling me about something. We looked it up on Gold Belly and I saw one of them and I don't remember who it was. It was like you can get a brisket, or two racks of ribs and something else. And it was fifteen hundred bucks to have it shipped to you. I was yeah. like, you're insane. <laughs> you know, I, I love barbecue as much as all of us do, but there's nothing that's worth, you know, divide that out. That's a that's a seven hundred dollar brisket. And it's like there's no seven hundred dollar briskets to me. Sorry. I just not that way. Yeah. Well, the shipping well, sometimes costs as much as the product. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we're so lucky in Texas. We <laughs> kind of just go down the street and find a great one. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you guys are kind of, you know, cattle king country down there. So uh, there is that. One of the th- I, I wanted to ask you this, too. You've been around a long time, and that's a compliment, not a criticism, of course. Uh, you hear a lot about grass fed and I've heard a lot of that on these shows, not only this show, but other shows I've done over the years, all beef is grass fed. You know, if they just want to say grass finished, that's fine. But it's a real marketing boondoggle for me to say our grass fed beef. Well, hell, every cow is grass fed unless they're dead. Well, yeah, but come on. I mean, the reason they're getting the reason they're putting on the weight is the grain. Right. Right. It's, right. it's, it's not like and, and we're not talking a couple of days of grain finishing here. So, I mean, I think that I think it's worthy of a distinction. Uh, you know, the, the grain finished cattle, it's uh, it's cheaper to produce. They put on weight quicker and right. they reach and they reach their slaughtering weight earlier in life. So, uh, you know, if you do have a grass fed grass grass finished brisket i mean there is more uh, investment put into that animal right so i right. think it's fine if they if they market it as such now the, the question becomes does it taste good and uh if it does then great i want more of it uh, if it doesn't and and i've had a lot of uh, not a lot but i've had several different grass-fed briskets um that you know it's brisket the especially the lean side of a brisket is already a pretty lean cut Right. And uh, going with a grass fed version of it uh, can really get dry, get on the dry side. That's for sure. Yeah. You might want to take a, a hammer and a 16 penny nail and kind of, you know, drive through some of those like that. I grew up on a ranch and 
honest to God, we would, we would sell the stuff that was just finished in the pasture to everybody else. And we kept the stuff for ourselves that we finished, you know, with the cattle inside, so to speak, that we grain fed them and, and did all that. So I, I'm, I admit my prejudice on that, but uh, I just think it's, they should, to me, they just should say, this is grain finished and this is grass finished. And then there would be no argument from me and nobody cares yeah. what I think anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all good. Uh, real quick, Daniel, got about a, a minute and a half left here. When you're, when you go to a restaurant, do they also give you tours of the pits? Do you get to go out and look yeah, at the pits? I mean, uh, in, in, yeah. If I ask for it. And yeah. I mean, that's the thing, especially in Texas, that's become such a, a tourist attraction and barbecue itself has become so popular with tourists that, I mean, it's a very common request and uh, very commonly uh, granted as well. So, I mean, certainly if you're coming to Texas to eat barbecue and you want to see the pits, just ask somebody. And uh, there's a very high likelihood they're going to bring you back and show you around. That's cool. So, Leanne, when you were doing your restaurant stuff, if somebody like Daniel showed up unexpected, what was your immediate response? Great joy or great apprehension? Great joy. And, and, and I know that's one of the things that I love to do is offer tours of the pits yeah. because people love it, you know, even full kitchen tours. Um, and that was part of what I really enjoyed about being in the restaurant business. But anytime, um, you know, someone came in that was going to critique the restaurant, I'm like, this is great. We'll wrap this up this week. Thank you, Daniel. Again, we'll be back next week with another edition of Barbecue Nation from the Turn It, Don't Burn It Studios. Uh, be good, everybody, and go enjoy some good food. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.